International fashion icon. International flight risk. Kenya's ambassador of tourism. The Hague's most inconvenienced witness. Self-proclaimed granddaughter of Nelson Mandela. Unwitting accomplice of a Liberian war criminal. Supermodel who kicked down the doors for black women everywhere. The supermodel who kicked Tyra Banks' ass off the runway. She has 500 magazine covers under her belt. And at least eight assault charges. Yes, this week we're talking about Naomi Campbell. Welcome to Bad Press. A not-so-journalistic investigation of the headlines that our most notorious stars just can't shake. Begging the question, is all press actually good? We're two comedians, media hoarders, and fake journalists digging through the media archives of pop culture to relitigate the legacies of the famously infamous. We're looking at who got a rewrite. And who got written off. This is Bad Bad Press. Press. Also, just a heads up, some of the audio in this episode is a little wonky, um, but, you know, we're working on it. Mariah, why don't you just tell me a little bit about your first memories of Naomi Campbell? Um, I really only know her as, like, the supermodel who hit somebody with a cell phone. Totally. And that's so important because... That's my main memory, too. (laughs) I feel like I knew her as... uh, I watched a lot of America's Next Top Model as a kid. Mm. So I That's actually not Naomi, that's Tyra. And ultimately, (laughs) at a certain point, I learned... Oh, wait, that wasn't Naomi Campbell. (laughs) That was Tyra Banks. No, but I, I, I remember that she was the other black model. And that was kind of it. There was a lot of tabloid talk in the in the early aughts, I feel like, trying to pit them against each other. They would, you know, maybe affectionately, maybe racist, call her Nene. <laughs> but I come from a big magazine household. I don't mm. know about you, but... Uh, we were unfortunately not magazine people, unless you count the New Yorker and the Atlantic. Oh, yeah, we do. We do, ultimately, because Naomi can slip her way into the top of the town section once in a while. Yeah. I mean, so much of this information for me came from watching The Tonight Show with my mom mm. of, like, Jay Leno, because my mom... For whatever reason, love Jay Leno, and I was like, "Oh my god, you're right. He's amazing." And he's actually turned out to be kind of a massive villain in every every sense. Yeah, as if that chin didn't give it away. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's start with the basics. Naomi was born in 1970, raised in London by Jamaican-born parents who were obviously black, Afro-Caribbean roots, though she did have one Chinese grandparent. So she is a mixed-race queen, just like me. She was raised largely by her grandmother until she was about 12 years old because her mother was a world, if not renowned, world-booked ballerina who spent a lot of time in Italy and Switzerland. So Naomi was hanging back home, but also from a young age was booking commercials, music videos, gigs left and right. Before she was even 10 years old, she had appeared in Bob Marley's Is This Love video. Wow. I know. So yeah, Naomi even said that she always felt like a grown-up in a child's body. Ew. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She was 13 or 14. She had her look together. She described herself as goth. 
She was famously waiting for the bus after school in her schoolgirl uniform, which they grossly point out in all of the press at the time. Mm-hmm. Like someone was like, you, you need to be a supermodel. And the rest was history. She wow. booked her first gig in New Orleans after that. It's funny though, because at the time that she was in that uniform, the school that she went to is this apparently the oldest performing arts school in the world. Shit ton of like apparently famous alumni. I don't recognize most of them because I am uncultured, but Russell Brand jumped out to me. Wow. Went to the same school. Yeah. Um, But they would say things like, you know, she was the first black model with black features, which is, I mean, both like true commentary because like she was the first dark skin model Mm -hmm. who was rising to this level of fame, but obviously said in the most offensive, problematic (laughs) way possible. So, you know, they're balancing multiple things. Yeah. Looking back, (laughs) looking back, it reads different. It just reads different. Yeah. You know, maybe even at the time it didn't read that well. (laughs) She had been told that she would never be a cover model for French Vogue, which honestly at the time she didn't even realize was because there had never been a black model on that magazine. But it was kind of understood that, you know, you were not the kind of face we would want. And then within a year of hearing that, she actually did end up on the cover of French Vogue. And then Vogue Italia. I think a big turning point in her career was once she had the cover of American Vogue, which had had black models once or twice before that, but she landed the cover in September, which is kind of the Bible of the fashion world. It's their biggest edition. It's fashion week. It's the turning from summer to fall. So for Anna Wintour to put Naomi Campbell on the cover in her first September issue as editor-in-chief, it meant a lot. And Naomi kind of talks about their relationship as if the two of them are inextricably linked in their careers in that way. And I think that that was the moment that did it. Like in reading a lot of interviews that Naomi has done, mm-hmm. she clearly feels this deep sense of connection to the designers and the editors that she worked with in mm-hmm. a way that is like, how much time is Naomi really spending with Anna Wintour? It's really hard to dissect in these things of when famous people are like, this person was like so huge for me. It's like, okay, is mm. that just like an homage that you kind of have to pay? Like, Do you really know each other? It might just be for the clout and we'll let them have it. Yeah, so she quickly became like one of the biggest it girls on the, on the fashion scene, just as the idea of a supermodel was coming into just the zeitgeist at all. I don't think people really had the conception of what a supermodel was because before there were runway models and they could walk and they had really long legs and then there were like, print or catalog models and they had beautiful faces but this was the first time that people were really seeing a lot of iconic faces doing both and she had face and a body she had face and legs to have both (laughs) unseen i mean she just visually stood out from the pack and had all these iconic firsts that really set her on a different career path. But at the same time, she was able to monetize that fame because, for example, on the cover of Vogue, they would pay models about like $300 for that. So just by getting in the magazine, you weren't making money as a supermodel. Most of that money came from these like huge cosmetic deals that a lot of them had, earning them, you know, five or six million dollars. But Naomi didn't have that. There was still kind of a gap with the commercial market. There's this quote from Naomi about money in the modeling world. And she says, I may be considered one of the top models in the world, but in no way do I make the same money as any of them. Like Fenty Rihanna, like just happened in the past few years. And like she had all these skin tones that people had previously not thought of. Especially when you think about like the global market, like there's still like markets in which people won't use her because Mm. she's black and very dark. 
you know, aside from not booking these cosmetic deals, she would also have to bring her own foundation and powder to shoots because they fucked up her makeup so many times. <laughs> so add that cost to her rider, okay? Uh, she landed Vogue Italia earlier on in her career, maybe 1988 or something. But then ultimately she was like, I didn't like the photos because they didn't paint me the right skin color. The makeup artist just added a whole other color. It's probably really dizzying in a way for her to have this disconnect between who she was being presented as and who everyone was lauding for being beautiful and also like breaking all these barriers and being visible in a way, but then not getting her money. I think models and influencers today can more like easily capitalize kind of by themselves. Mm. I mean, it helps to have a major cosmetics deal, but it's like you don't need to just have that. You can kind of like make your money through a lot of different things. I don't know. Was she even getting paid for like appearances? Like, was that kind of a new thing or like... Right. And that's, I mean, that's the thing is living a certain glamorous lifestyle where I imagine you're like made to feel like you should be so grateful to like fly from Milan to Paris to Rome to Japan and do all these amazing shoots and be given free champagne and hang out with fabulous people. But if at the end of the day, you can't stop working for a second because you have no savings or income, it sounds kind of like a prison. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a beautiful, beautiful person. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So even at that time, the way that people were discussing her success was clearly steeped in some racism, I might say. One agent was quoted in Vanity Fair saying, we can't deny she's beautiful and we can't deny she's black. And ultimately, I think that that was a huge success for the time. (laughs) Today, not so much. And the black isn't even capitalized. (laughs) Oh, you hear about lowercase b. You hear it big time. She was living in this kind of strange Ashley O style nightmare where she didn't seem to have a ton of agency, but at the same time was dating everyone and living fabulously. Eddie Murphy signed her program after a Nelson Mandela benefit that she was attending. Nelson um, Mandela actually comes up a lot with Naomi. Yeah, she calls him granddad, so yeah. maybe performative. <laughs> but we'll take it at her, you know, we'll take her word. It does feel like, did they have that much in common? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Nelson, famously a huge patron of the arts, so I think that he... Patron of hot women. (laughs) He loves a leggy woman, (laughs) and that's what he fought for. And that's what he's famous for. And that's the only thing he's famous for. So, yeah, she was tied to a lot of, you know, men in the early 90s when she was this new supermodel it girl. Vanity Fair name drops Mike Tyson, who she famously dated for a while, Robert De Niro. Oh, and Sylvester Stallone, who... For some reason, Vanity Fair left for last as if he was, like, the most impressive and hottest guy on that list. I mean, maybe he is, but... I don't know. I feel like isn't his whole thing is that he's kind of did the Rocky movies and he hasn't really been able to do anything else because he's, like, not a very good actor. Yeah, and his face is, like, kind of fucked up because it looks like he got punched repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, sure. He's the big one of this article. <laughs> yeah, and so she had all those, but, like, ultimately never married or had a really long-lasting relationship and she in recent years has like alluded to or directly <laughs> explicitly said explicitly said hey i'm alone yeah. and um i think that came at the expense of uh, my career yeah. so yeah. you know when she's working through she doesn't have everything yeah. when interviewed she could have directly said that and yeah. kind of wasn't even prompted i'm reading between yeah. the lines and something says that she's alone yeah <laughs> but i mean she has a baby now a couple yeah. years ago I know. 
And is it understood how she has the baby? No, she's very private about it. This it baby, must be a surrogate, right? The baby is either surrogate, I mean, potentially adopted. Like, she's really guarded in that way, which maybe, I mean, I probably think for the best. it's fair, yeah. It's yeah. Like you don't have to know. But it is kind of like, she's 50 and she has like a two-year-old. And yeah, like, like, where did this kid come from? <laughs> yeah. What is this thing did you steal her from? Yeah. <laughs> More recently, she's had probably more success with getting paid gigs, and her career is obviously not, it's not a failure. But so generous of you. <laughs> I'm going to come out on a limb here and say As it's not we, a failure. Her but, career is not a failure, we say, from our living room. Brandon <laughs> is fully unemployed. I am thriving. Um, me and Naomi are kind of in the same boat. I'm in my Naomi early 90s years, yeah. where I'm wildly famous and yet unpaid. Yeah. Uh, but she was quoted as saying, I'm not in any way political, but I like eating powerful people. This was on interviewing Vladimir Putin for some syndicated German-Russian deal that she had, perhaps with GQ, unclear. That is funny that they were like, we don't see you in cosmetics, we do see you in foreign correspondence. Totally, world news, kind of brokering peace deals with our foremost adversaries. She said when she arrived in Russia, there was a book gifted to her from Vladimir Putin waiting on her bed, and it was about karate. That kind of reminds me of like, you know how like Bill Clinton would give like every woman he was going to hit on like Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass? Disgusting. Yeah, but I feel like maybe that was Putin. It's like every girl is getting the karate book. Totally. Martial arts is his love language. (laughs) And that's been our mistake (laughs) on the geopolitical stage (laughs) is misreading his cues. Okay, I feel like we should move to her her flop era. (laughs) I think it's time to see the flops. Okay. We're now entering the flop years, flop, flop. So she started booking big gigs like kind of late 80s, early 90s. She's like biggest supermodel in the world. She's huge. In the 90s, things would start to kind of shift. And so here's one of the seeds of stuff that's going to shift. There's, as you alluded to before, the feud with Tyra Banks. Also a caveat to this, it's like Tyra is unhinged. A tyrant. A tyrant. And like, we just have to kind of keep that in the back of our heads while we're exploring this feud. Tyra Banks is the world's second black supermodel, and she's four years younger than Naomi. Tyra says that people were always comparing her to Naomi and trying to style her like Naomi. The fashion world and media at this time, it's like maybe like Kate Moss and Cindy Crawford are totally different people, but Mm -hmm. like Tyra and Naomi are both black, and like that's really the only thing we can see about either of them. They're like constantly being compared to each other, constantly being made to kind of like look like each other. Which obviously in a supermodel world where you're trying to be wholly unique is is not, not good. The Wall Street Journal asked Tyra Banks about the rivalry between her and Naomi Campbell, and she says, I'm very sensitive to that word because a rivalry is between two equals to me, whereas one was very dominant. She was a supermodel and I was just this new girl that had got on the plane from Paris and was studying fashion and magazines. Wow. So Tyra was bullied. Yeah, I mean, it's also like, maybe Tyra was annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe Tyra needed to sit down and shut up and take some notes. Okay, so I watched a truly insane episode of The Tyra Show from 2005 where Tyra Banks brings on Naomi as her guest and it's, it's kind of peak reality TV cringe. We really didn't know what we had back then. And there's a lot of good nuggets in there that are pretty illuminating about maybe the the culture of supermodels back then. So I'm going to play you some clips from the episode. Naomi was one of my biggest inspirations when I began modeling. To this day, I still remember the joy I felt when the press first compared me to her. 
It was one of the most flattering compliments I've ever received. But the compliments and comparisons soon turned to controversy. In the headlines, there wasn't enough room at the top for two black models. Okay, so just to paint a picture. The first half of the episode, they don't have a studio audience. It's just Naomi and Tyra together in a room. So Tyra can kind of like grill her. Grill her. I don't have an in-studio audience here with us today. So I'm going to ask you at home to please help me welcome Naomi Campbell. It's so weird because it's so quiet. I know. It is tense. It's tense. And they essentially have like an hour-long interview in which Tyra is just like, do you remember when you did this thing to me? And then you did this thing to me? And then you did that thing? And Naomi's like, I, I don't recall. Do you remember the Azadina Laya fashion show yeah, that we did together? Yeah, when we had the braids. Yes. Yeah, I we remember. Had the and the little white frilly things. Yeah, yes. I remember So you remember well. that fashion yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. And I called my aunt and I said, she's right behind me. Oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. She's right here. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at home looking at her pictures and now I'm in a fashion show <laughs> with her. But Naomi, do you remember what you said to me? What did I say? You said, I heard you talking about me. Which I do. I get word. everything from everywhere. Yes. No, but no, you said you heard me physically. You were right behind me. You right. heard me talking about you. You called me the B word. Tyra really goes into very specific incidents and mm. she's like, do you remember this time we were both on the runway and like I'm about to walk on stage and you pass me and you go, you'll never be me. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay, I'm not sure how directed this scene. Yeah. It's and, scary. And, but, and Naomi is, I feel like she said those things and it meant literally nothing to her and that's why she doesn't remember or yeah. it's just she's like, like... Tyra, why are you so obsessed with me? I need yeah. you to stop documenting every interaction we have. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's like one point where Tyra's like, and you said like, you said this thing. And I was like, that's actually, like, I know myself. And it's like, that's not how I would have said it. Yeah, Naomi, if I felt that way, yeah. I would go about it way differently. So. Yeah. I know the person that I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm not someone to go and give myself away and say that to anybody. I've never said that in my life. So, but if that's what you remember, yeah. I accept that. But it's not, it doesn't sound like me to people that would know me. Naomi just kind of like debunks the the logic of what Tara's saying all together. Yeah, she's like, if you were my enemy and like I was gonna come for you, like I wouldn't come for you like that. I would come for you in a much like more sophisticated way. Yeah, she said, when I shoot, I aim for the head. <laughs> yeah. So then it actually gets more intense where Tyra's literally like, I had to move out of editorial fashion into like Sports Illustrated and Victoria's Secret and essentially like quit the world of high fashion. The slums of Victoria's Secret. Yeah. And she's like, well, one, because I gained weight, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but also because you blacklisted me in the industry. Totally. New York Magazine did write that Naomi refused to share the Chanel runway with rising star Tyra Banks telling Carl Lagerfeld, it's her or it's me. Kind of a Harry Voldemort dynamic there. I mean, it does sound like maybe she was kind of like, don't book this bitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. But maybe Tara was being aware. Yeah, I like think it's in the realm of possibility. But what's also interesting is that Tyra on the show, she like frames it as this thing where she's like, Naomi, actually, I want to thank you for doing that to me because I knew I had to go on my own path and that's why I created America's Next Top Model. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and what a legacy that's given us. <laughs> yeah, because like you viciously bullied me and told people like not to book me. So I had to bully every young girl who was trying to come up in the industry myself. Also, the whole premise of like her complaint is very much like, you are so much cooler and more powerful than me and like, 
own up to that. And ultimately, Naomi's just kind of like sidestepping it and like <laughs> yeah. kind of embodying exactly what Tara describes <laughs> yeah. in the most graceful way. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, she's a lot cooler and more powerful than you. And you just seem desperate. <laughs> yeah. It's rough. At one point, Tara even says, I don't feel safe. You scare me to this day. And then she clarifies, well, not right now. I feel safe. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, Naomi, I'm fearful of you to this day. Not right now. I feel safe. I feel like it's just me and you. There's not a lot of hoopla. Right. But even a couple of seasons ago, keep even a couple of years ago, when we did the Victoria's Secret fashion show, and I walk in the room and I see you, I'm like, I start shaking. My heart starts beating faster. I go back to the 17-year-old girl yeah, that, you used to be. that I used to be when this powerful, strong icon woman that I looked up to was terrorizing me. Um, it was a Versace fashion show. Um, I was backstage getting my hair and makeup done. And this is about a year and a half into this feud thing that yeah. was going on. And then uh, I think his name was Angelo or Italian name. Can't remember his name. Angelo. Angelo, was that his name? Mm -hmm. Okay. Angelo called me um, and he said, Tyra, I need to talk to you. And right. I said, okay. And he had a really look, weird look on his face. And I said, um, what is it? He says, I have to cancel you from the fashion show. Right. And I was like. And you instantly thought that was because no, of me. No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. And I said, why? I just did my fitting. I did everything. The show's about to start in 20 minutes. And he gave me a look and kind of did like that toward you. And I was like, okay. Well, do you ever know Johnny Versace? No. Okay, so just, anyone that knows knew him, him knows you. I could never do that. But just so you know, you're not alone. Kate Moss was canceled after doing a fitting in a rehearsal. Yes. No, no, no. So I've, been, I've been canceled as a model a lot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I not mean, blaming you. That, that was, that was the Johnny Versace way. Yes. Like, um, oh, no, he's notorious. Do, I yeah, knew he was, he notorious, was notorious for canceling at the that. last minute. So that's not, not what I'm saying. Nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm like, okay. <laughs> She's like, like Mythbusters on all of her <laughs> yeah, anecdotes. Yeah. She's like, actually, I have the transcript, and that was never said. Yeah, but it's like, there's all these, oh my god, are they like, they're pointing at this photo shoot of them both on a boat or something, mm. and Tara's like, when I look at this photo, I see, I see the frigidness between us, like, I see the pain, and I always like, I remember it was cold that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is only specifics, like, yeah. I talked to my mother before, it was 9.27, <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm excited. The photo <laughs> happened at 9.23, and at approximately 9.35, I started to cry yeah, yeah. and Naomi fully is just like oh no it doesn't ring a bell yeah, yeah. when clearly you could tell she has an eagle eye memory yeah. so like sure there's a subtlety there but she does not really betray anything yeah I mean okay so it's like do you do you believe that Naomi Campbell bullied Tyra and like got her to quit modeling I don't Yes, I do believe okay. that. <laughs> I do believe that Tyra felt bullied and that Naomi probably was like, yeah, who is this girl? Like, I'm not going to be nice to her. Yeah. But I also do believe that, like, this is so insignificant in the scope of Naomi Campbell's life and that she, I think, is genuinely this over it all. And, like, as she cites, is processing some real heavy trauma from her personal life. It's the best thing I ever did in going to recovery. I learned so much about myself for years. From I can remember things from when I was three years old. Mm -hmm. And it was it just very vividly. And I was like, wow. It's like what from when you were three? Things that, like, that just affected me now. That I, and, and at that time, when, I, when it came into mean, my mind. What do you mean by that? When I, I, was, 20, when I was a child, um, something happened to me. And my whole family was like, no, 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 she's crazy. And sexual abuse? And it wasn't really sexual abuse. It could have been. But I was very much of a child that I, um, I came in. And I, I, I spoke up very much for myself. I was like, mm -hmm. so I screamed out. I was like, go away. And that, by being loud, 
So it was a possibility but, of sexual yeah, abuse, but, but because she did I was stop loud, it. I got it. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And Tyra just kind of bullies her <laughs> yeah. or tries to like flip it and like bully her when she opens up trauma. And yeah. um, it was just weird because it was like, okay, yeah, this is her one vulnerable moment. And now for you to try to bully her on <laughs> yeah. air is not going to win the audience up for Tyra. Yeah. What's also interesting <laughs> is that Tyra like does a show where she invites one of Naomi's like accusers, like one of her former assistants on. So it's like, okay, painting yeah. the flames. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like Tyra has publicly done a lot more to attack Naomi that Naomi has done publicly to attack her. Yeah, perhaps Naomi just did it behind the scenes because she was, like, better at it. And she's like, I don't even know why you need to do this because, like, I already ended your career. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, actually, all those shows that you were pulled from, they were me. Yeah. And guess what? I'm not going to incriminate myself now. You already <laughs> yeah. pulled from the damn show. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> move on. Um, I know yeah. that is kind of thing where Tyra has to, like, thrash it out in the court of public opinion and Naomi's already been, like, puppet master, like, years before. It's like, yeah, you were out. Granddad Nelson Mandela is not going to invite you over to his memorials. I know, it's like, I don't think Tyra has a personal relationship with Nelson Mandela. Absolutely not. I don't think Tyra has a Nelson was like, do not come to this dinner party. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah. do not bring her. <laughs> Okay, we're seeing rumors in the press that like Naomi is difficult, mm. that she's uh, difficult to work with. In 1993, Naomi is fired from Elite Model Management and they issue the following statement. Please be informed that we do not wish to represent Ms. Naomi Campbell any longer. No amount of money or prestige could further justify the abuse that has been imposed on our staff and clients. All who have experienced this will understand. Which is a wild statement. It's heavy. A corporation claiming abuse. To set the scene about like the 90s, like the big modeling agencies were Elite Model Management and Ford. And there was this guy, John Casablancas, who founded Elite Model Management who slept with like 16 year olds mm -hmm. and was like an incredible predator. In his memoir, he said, Naomi is a spectacular woman, explosive, intelligent, and talented, but with an uncontrollable temperament, we had hundreds of fights. After one incident that left a client furious, Casablancas claims that Naomi used to threaten us every day that she would leave. I took a decision that made history. Not only did I fire her, I also sent a telegram to all of our clients before she could turn around and say that she was the one who had left us. But two years later, she was back with us. I must admit, I adore Naomi. Wow. Fun fact, John Casablancas is the father of Julian Casablancas, who is like the lead man of the Strokes, um, which is something I think about every time I listen to the Strokes. Naomi's team says, Naomi was never fired by Mr. Casablancas, but chose to leave of her own will during that time. She was still with like elite management in London and Paris. This was such a long time ago. Naomi has the fondest memories of working with Mr. Casablancas and considered him a friend. So they're kind of doing this publicity dance. This is what I thought was interesting. I feel like there's all these stories that have come out about how like predatory was and that entire industry. It's full of young, vulnerable women who are out mm. by themselves with like power players, mostly men preying on them. And in some cases like assaulting to like coercion, harassment. There's like a lot of stuff going on. Naomi Gable was asked in 2019 about sexual abuse in the fashion industry, and she says, Of course, I have empathy and concern for those it did happen to, and I feel for their trauma psychologically how it affects them. But it never happened to me. I didn't see any of that shit because, thank God for my armor, my being called a bad bitch, I was lucky it never happened to me. I was protected by my angels, Azidan Alia, Johnny Versace, and Yves Saint Laurent. Re, like Casablanca, she was like, When I was with him, I didn't want that behavior. 
I guess I find it hard to believe when people are like, I had no idea. Yeah, I think, once again, it's probably partially a lie, but then also partially that she's so self-involved. Like, <laughs> she's just like genuinely didn't know She's like a girl crying attention. in the corner. She's like, she's I like, don't see you. She's like, I have a photo shoot in Anguilla. Like, yeah, don't like, what talk is that car alarm outside? Yeah. Someone make it stop. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like from my experience on like film sets and stuff, when you're dealing with somebody like famous, mm-hmm. it is literally like everyone is just like kissing the ground they walk on right, and right. people can really like flip. It's like the person who's being a total asshole. It's all the underlings. It's like, it, it, I guess it would kind of make sense that as like a predator, you would be going up after people that are like more vulnerable or like right. more precarious. And she seems like the most well-connected woman in the world. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like there were beginning days when she wasn't a supermodel. And also like if her mom wasn't really there, it doesn't sound like there were like a lot of people like with her immediately. Yeah, so Naomi does try to like kind of flip Tyra talking about how vulnerable she was just starting out in the industry. And she's like, well, you know, Look at all those photos of you with your mother there. She was always there with you. You're with your mother in all these photos. She was always there in your early years on the scene. And then Tyra's immediately like, well, like, she wasn't there when we, like, first got there because we actually couldn't afford it. And then, like, later on, she was there. But, like, let me tell you, it was like she, like, instantly goes into, like, so defensive. And she's like, well, we poor. And, like, sure. Probably true. But then Naomi's like, well, I never had anyone there with me on shoot. It's true. She really was like an adult from a really young age and yeah. didn't have a family that was very present in her day-to-day life. Yeah. Not I mean, much. it's like, we're never really going to know, but I just, I did think that was interesting that she was like, that never happened to me. And I was like, okay. It does yeah. feel like you didn't have any experiences or a little, like, okay. But. <laughs> yeah, covering something else? Yeah. Um, Who are you protecting? And then, I mean, famously, is she connected directly to Epstein? Like, she's... Well, kind of never know. <laughs> she did a lot of photo ops. Maybe she just took photos with anybody. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, I mean, she, she takes a lot of photos. Yeah. It's like 1997 is where Naomi herself says things kind of go, like, off the rails. That's the year that she loses three close friends, and she doesn't mention the other two by name, but she does mention Gianni Versace, yes. so it's like, God knows who those other two people are. She didn't name them. She also um, references Princess Diana. Were they good friends? They or was she just like, that really affected me? Yeah. The nation called, lost a princess. <laughs> everyone kind of claims that one, yeah, you know? like, Everyone has their yeah, princess yeah, Diana story. Yeah, it's it's like the Gen X yeah. version of an I love story. Yeah. And I feel like she... <laughs> Do equal tragedies. Equal tragedies. <laughs> yeah. And she describes, at least in one interview that I read, how she met Princess Diana. She was like, she seemed really nice. I refuse <laughs> to believe that like that's the close friend that she lost in 1997. <laughs> no, but I, I think that's additionally something she tacks on. Okay. <laughs> so there's this like really sad interview with that Katie Couric kind of drills her through the day after Gianna Versace died. And for reference, he was like murdered. We know from Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story. Absolutely. or crime story he was murdered by like a, a murderous twink <laughs> um okay so wait brandon i'm gonna play that interview for you and then we can kind of react together okay how do you hope in closing naomi the world will remember him i don't know just that he was a great person he, you know he was a truth he really loved what he did he loved designing he loved putting on great shows he loved treating people generously. He loved being happy and wanting people around him to be happy. Powerful. I was like surprised to see her so vulnerable. But it does seem like 
deeply authentic for what, you know, you can take from a news interview performance. Katie Couric, you know, kind of at times missing her mark with <laughs> yeah. the tone for the death of a dear friend just that morning, but it's okay. She kept it moving. Yeah, yeah. she was like, okay, and we're cutting to commercial. Yeah, she Go was like, me. wait, talk a little bit more about the career. Wait, aren't you his favorite yeah. model, number one? I think it's also like, okay, obviously they're having like an earpiece issue and, and she's, she's like, <laughs> like, cannot hear her. Yeah. But yeah, obviously it's like very sad. I also wonder like, I don't know that much about the murder, but I feel like there was a lot of confusion about his death especially in like the immediate aftermath mm. since it was did, did you watch the show i don't really know much about it i actually didn't watch that wow. season okay radical. but i did famously meet jennifer sarchi on the beach in miami <laughs> as a baby and he touched me he held me wow yeah so that's just a little bit about me but um <laughs> months later he was it's gone down amazed. katie didn't ask you to speak <laughs> it's kind of crazy that they didn't feed me in yeah. from new york <laughs> Uh, yeah, in my little diaper. Anyway, <laughs> I was a child. You were in New York, you're Staten Island. You just take you take the train in. I was in the West Village <laughs> yeah, actually at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, back to <laughs> Naomi. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So at the time, though, I feel like obviously without the internet and just like the 24 hour news cycle and the way we have it now, like people didn't know as much. But I don't. I didn't see Ryan Murphy's portrayal, so I don't know the the. Okay, so you just don't know. Is the little details. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but we can speculate about the time period. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have yeah. tweets. They didn't know. I was imagining it seemed like the murder came out of nowhere, and they developed a whole series about it. So I'm like, obviously, there must be enough confusion over like what happened. Oh, is true. what my anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah. anyway, it's back to Naomi and the death of her dear friend. It is. She is crying, and it is like really sad, and it it, it kind of does stress that it's like. She she met Gianni when she was like mm-hmm. 16 and she's like, I would not be where I am today without him. It seemed like he did the thing at the end of the runway show where you walk down with your favorite model yeah, and yeah, he yeah. like, it was, always always, it was always her. And there, Katie was like, Is she, do you think you were his favorite model? And she's like, um, I don't know. It's like, I guess. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, here's the evidence. Yeah. I'll let you decide. Yeah. And she's like, I guess yes, it was his favorite. Yeah. But anyway, this is just to say, this is very, like, obviously devastating. Mm. You know, it seems like she, Formative. they considered each other yeah, like her. a member of the family. And she says it's around this time she started self-medicating and drinking. And by self-medicating, it um, means cocaine. The best medicine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're going to end the episode here. There was a lot to cover. So our next episode will be Naomi Campbell part two, and we'll get into her aggravated assault era and the litany of charges filed against her by employees and the occasional good friend. Also apologies for some audio quality issues we experienced this episode. This was the first one we made, so there's been kind of a steep learning curve and they're only gonna get better. So see you next time.